Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern-day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Protein. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from, and what drives them forward. We don't need any more designers. The world doesn't, like there's millions of them, but what we do need is like creative thinkers and you need to underpin all of that now with understanding what sustainable thinking is. Definitely think I've understood how to harness confidence and actually, you know, it's just right there. You just have to know that you can just take it and use it. You have to really know what it is that you like and what you hate before you can be authentic. Because once you get to that sort of point, you can make work which is emotional and evocative, then you can make them feel something. Louise Gray is a multidisciplinary designer, educator, and soon-to-be author. Having showed her collections at London Fashion Week seven years running, Louise now creates work on her own terms, whilst also teaching the MA fashion course at Central St. Martins, which is the course she originally moved to London for. We discuss the issues of sustainability in fashion, what authenticity means to brands, and the realities and opportunities of the educational system. Super excited to meet Louise here at St. Martin's. <laughs> and uh, as I said, why don't we just start with a little introduction? So I teach here. I teach on MA fashion. Um, I do that a couple days a week. Um, but I also had my own fashion business, which I showed at London Fashion Week for seven years. Um, so I still do a bit of fashion, but I wouldn't describe it as that anymore, really. What would you describe it as? <laughs> more like design or like, I don't know, I, I try to make it more artistic than, you know, I don't sell the collections. I'm not interested in commerce, really. Okay. Yeah. So what are you interested in? What is, what's getting you excited? <laughs> in life? I mean, generally. Generally. I mean, I in love work. ideas. Let's start with the work yeah. side. I love ideas. and I love being able to have a, a body of work where I get to communicate ideas. Yeah. That's an amazing thing for me. Um, I was thinking about it this week that actually, you know, like I wanted to study fashion when I was young in Scotland. I think at 16, I knew that I wanted to leave my like small fishing town that I come from. And that's what I wanted to do. It's like something very ambitious and very like direct about knowing what I wanted to do when I was Wait, younger. What age was that? About 16. Like laser Fashion, this yeah, was it. textiles. That's what I wanted to do. Because what what was that? What was the inspiration? The so what were the triggers that <laughs> brought you into King's Cross? Um, the school that I went to, like the art department, was completely separate from the rest of the school. Which school was this? It's called Fraserburgh Academy. So I'm from a town called Fraserburgh. It's like a fishing. It's not anymore, but it's known to Wait, be where, a fishing. Where, team. where are we? Where in Scotland? Northeast. So now we're above Aberdeen. Okay. Um, not very big. Uh, not a big place, I don't think, but yeah, I definitely, my experience of school was like the art department and it was, wasn't even attached to the rest of the building. It was down the hill in a nicer, older building. Um, yeah, and I think I had amazing tutors, I guess, that taught me there that encouraged me, but also like there were illustrations everywhere from a designer from Fraserburgh called Bill Gibb, um, who designed in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, so I guess there was inspiration okay. there. 
And that led to where we are now, mm. part teacher, designer, <laughs> yeah. uh, anything else on the, uh, on the CV? On the list. Uh, I'm sure if I could admit it, there would be. <laughs> but I find it hard to upsell myself. But, um, yeah. I mean, I now teach on the course that I came to London to, to study on. Um, so Louise Wilson, who was the professor at the time, I heard about her when I was in Scotland and I was studying at um, art school in Glasgow and I, she sort of had a reputation for being the best person in fashion. So I was like, I just have to try and go to that course and I have to see if I'm going to get on it. So how did that go? I, she let me in during my interview. Oh, she did? Yeah. And I told her I didn't believe her and she sort of <laughs> screamed at me. <laughs> um... Yeah, what, that was so terrifying. It was, what, what do you think it was? The, just the dogged determination that this you were going to get on this course? Or? I suppose so. I, I told you I was very ambitious when I was younger. I really knew what I wanted to do. What, you're not now? I don't, well, I wanted, by the time I got to like maybe 30, I'd already done all the stuff that was on my list. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then what do you do? Um, so I, I closed my fashion business. I was like, this is not actually what I want to do. I need to be doing things that I want to feel... I want to be doing more. But I'd also felt like I'd sort of got as far as I could with that or is it, I just lost interest maybe in that, that feeling. So when was this? When did you close your fashion business? Um, 2013, I think, or 2014, somewhere, something there. And that was purely because you felt you'd completed your... <laughs> I, d I don't know, I just got to a place where... Was it, it was there a moment or was it just a feeling? What was that... Um, decision rooted in like the way that you have to show collections I suppose there's like a system that you, you have to do that during London Fashion Week you know you have to fit into a sort of sort of shoe box and I, did, I was finding that like a lot I didn't want to sort of make the work in that way and also to get your business into a different point where it needs to make money you need a big investment um, and I wasn't really interested in having to do something because somebody was going to tell me to do it <laughs> <laughs> there's a common so... theme emerging here <laughs> not filling into boxes yeah breaking rules yeah doing things for yourself yeah and a lot of my friends had got investment and i'm not saying that they have to do those sorts of things but investors definitely want to you know they're going to run your business a different way that you're going to do by yourself so is that the only route in terms of these guys and girls out here showing their collection like, yeah is is that the future I hope of not. fashion i hope not and what i try and teach them here is that just because there is a system do you have to go into the system and if you're going to go into the system can you please understand how to work the system and get whatever you want out of it yeah so that you're not just being vacuuming vacuumed into it we've sort of fallen into people wanting to support fashion stars as they sort of graduate and you know for them to get plucked from being a student to go and showing at London Fashion Week, you know, you're sort of treated like they're being, they're helping you and that's like a good reason. But, you know, if I was going to open a business, you wouldn't open a business without being like, well, what's my business going to be? How am I going to run my business? What do I need to do that? You know, they, they just sort of get into this pond where they, they don't really think about it being a business, I don't think do enough. You, is that part of the course here? Yeah? It's not, but it's definitely things that we try and get them to think about. Yeah. You know, like, if a, a lot of them are not interested in doing that at all and they just want to work at fabulous fashion houses or, you know, they want to be part of a design team. Not everybody wants to start their own 
um, brand is a mm. word that I'm, I don't love saying, but it is how they would describe it. I mean, it, it is, right? And yeah. that's closely connected to a business in yeah. terms of what people buy into and what it represents and everything else. Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh, where, where do you see that going in terms of fashion or the business of fashion? Not the publication, but the <laughs> sector. I think that we just... Because it's an interesting time, no? It's really interesting. And you interviewed Sarah Arnold from Hire Studio and... Yeah. And, you know, we've known her before, Hire, part of some of our recent projects, and then interviewed her post, um, her Extinction Rebellion, you know, I guess, adoption or priority or reprioritization, and that was always a key part of Hire in terms of sustainability and rental and, uh, you know, not bringing any new product into the world. Yeah. But it'll be good to hear your your viewpoint on, on a few of those points. I think... Sustainability is a really big subject. Like the thing that I say to my students on the first day, because I teach them while they're in what's effectively year one of MA fashion, is that we don't need any more designers. <laughs> How does that go <laughs> And down? we don't. The world doesn't. Like there's millions of them. But what we do need is like creative thinkers. And you need to underpin all of that now with understanding what sustainable thinking is. Like you just have to. You can't, you can't be designing without thinking about that now like yeah. I just I don't want to teach you if you're not doing that what's sustainable thinking do you yeah. see what I mean and I think when you get students that are sustainable they they want to be a hundred percent and no company I don't think is a hundred percent sustainable no so why would you expect a student to be do you see what I mean like I think that it, it can stop them from actually being creative when actually what they I, I call it sustainable thinking rather than just anyone having to hardcore unpack that is too difficult mm. so how do you how do you still manage to make and create but in a way that's helpful for the sort of function of what people need and that's it right form over function yeah. or function over form yeah. in terms of a prioritization <laughs> i mean and it looks great but do i need it yeah and uh, and you know it's not it's a big conversation that i'm uh, that huge. we're not going to solve now, no, but we're not. I think it is, you know, they talk about system change and yeah. coming back to breaking rules and yeah. questioning fashion shows and, you know, the the architecture of the industry that's been established over these years, you know, that to me is the biggest thing that's going to be changing, yeah. first and foremost. It's a really big machine. And I think, you know, if they want to go into a company, which a lot of them do, they just want to get paid. They've just paid an enormous amount of money for an education you know I don't think you can change a company but you can go into a company and want to change it from the inside you can Mm -hmm. go in with a a value or that's a good way to try and be sustainable for other people you know there's there's an awful lot of people I think on the sidelines looking into fashion and judging it when actually what they could be doing is going into it getting those jobs and changing it from the inside Mm. so what is the role of fashion it depends on how you want to look at it. If you think about it, it's like anything else, isn't it? You look at design now, like you could, if I was, if I wasn't a human and you came here and you're like, this is people designing for humans so what, what, to wear. What are, what are you if you're not a human? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd look at it and you'd think, God, it's absolutely insane, really. Like the, the function part of it, you know, like everything has become so creative. It's, it's quite bonkers in a way. But, you know, there's so much beauty in all of those things. I still think. It's about people trying to push, and I understand it, and agitate and make it seem interesting. So, I don't know. Not all, do you have to be 
designing all the time to be a designer. You know, some designers, especially if they're sustainable, they can just be educators as well. Like, we need those people. You can make a body of work, and that's a sort of tool to sort of educate other people about what that type of thinking is. You don't need to go off and, like, try and sell it in lots of department stores or shops. You can just use making a collection as a sort of... You know, there's different ways now that we can mm. work. What, taking it to the, a, a future level, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the digital fashion? I mean, it's going to happen in ways that we don't even know. And I think that's really exciting. I'm not a digital person hugely. That's a sort of thing, that's a box that I make myself think that I live in. But actually, if somebody said to me on my iPhone that I could, like, rant or borrow a piece of fashion and I just own it digitally, I think that's absolutely hilarious. Do you see what I mean, Lynn? I think that's how it's going to go. If you think that one of the biggest companies in China at the moment just rents people fashion, they can, you can borrow a Prada handbag for three hours and you pay for it and so you take your selfie, put it on Instagram and then return it. You don't even own it. So it's about renting fashion. So if you imagine you can do that, all that stuff digitally, that's what people want, isn't it, in a way? They just want to be seen to be having these things rather than actually owning them. And what does that say about society? Absolutely. They're all mental. They're all mental. <laughs> but, you know, that's just where it goes. It just has to go in these different ways. I still enjoy wearing things, and, like, I still think it's interesting to, like, dress in a way that makes me feel like, I don't know, I, the first word that just came out to my head there was important, but I don't think that's the right word. But it makes me feel, like, you know, um, interested. <laughs> living so and is that uh um, is, it, is it ambition i'm not sure if that's the right word but mm. in your designs and your approach and you know what you're wearing today mm. you know is there a is there a constant there is there a something that you always aspire to i mean color is one yeah which is uh, yeah unavoidable <laughs> Needed. Needed. It's just needed. <laughs> Surrounded by the grey walls of Central St. Martin. Yeah, prison. <laughs> I do call those the prison walls. But is there... And, I mean, you're known for your colour and your patterns, but, mm. yeah, I think more internally, emotionally, in terms of your relationship with what you wear or how you dress others, mm. is, there, is there a way that you'd encapsulate that? There's an attitude to colour. You know, there's not a lot of people can get it or know how to do that and make it seem like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of attitude and pattern and wearing things which clash. I don't know. I just, I understand what that attitude is and I think it's quite, it's quite good. It makes women feel like powerful or... Important. Important. And isn't that what we need? Yeah. More, more of. You know, it's very easy to be on the internet renting your handbag and looking really confident, but in real life, if you have to turn up to an interview, do you think that you're going to feel confident? I think that's a completely different thing. So mm. I dress to make myself understand. I need reminding. I think as women, we need reminding constantly. As I get older, like I'm still get really weird to do that I can feel like a failure or I can feel like unconfident going into things. And I think it, it, we just remind ourselves. It, you just need it. It doesn't stay there. It's not a constant. Self-love. <laughs> it's so important, I think. And what... <sighs> Just talking about colour mm. and your relationship with it. Yep. I'm a big fan of colour as well. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> your pink microphone. Well, you've got the red one. <laughs> um, no, I think about colour in terms of time. 
Okay. Uh, and I, I'm not going to talk about it now because it goes on for ages and I'm here to listen to about your story, not mine. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a colour clock that I came up with. Okay. It's this idea of telling time with colour called Chromo. Oh, but that's cool. But I had a... I went deep. This was 10 years ago, maybe more, just in terms of colour and what it does and how it affects and how you understand it and how the brain processes it and how, you know, you're emotionally connected to it and yeah. culturally associated with it. Ooh. And so many different subconscious, you know, branding you talk about and yeah. food brands and McDonald's and oh, Burger God, Kings. Yeah. It's all reds and, uh, you know, the association and the relationship that is attached to it. But it's not about my relationship to colour. Tell me, tell me your, your love affair with colour. When did that begin? From when do you remember? From when I remember. Um, I definitely, it's just, it definitely was a thing when I was a, a kid and I was growing up. Um, and I've got four sisters, so I definitely, I don't know if it was a thing that I needed to feel different. My mum was obsessed with dressing us all in the same outfit. Wait, so <laughs> remind me again, you're second oldest. I'm second oldest, yeah. Okay, so how is the dynamic between your other siblings? Um, we all get along, but like, there's so many photos of us like in the same, you know, like nobody wants to be 12 and wearing the same thing as their like four-year-old sister. Oh, four matching. <laughs> it's the, not the, like the, full... the four of us in matching outfits. So I think my idea that there's I needed to... There's a great to... website for that, isn't that like awkward family photos? Oh God, all of them, <laughs> all of them. I don't know if that pushed me into a corner or made me want to, when I was allowed to choose my own stuff, that made me feel like, you know... Bit jazzy. I need to feel different and individual right now. So wait, <laughs> tell me about your other sisters. Um, all amazing women. Um, all creative in their own ways. Um, my elder sister is a, an accountant, actually. Creative, creative accountant. Num creative numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other two? The other two, uh, Jennifer, she is actually a bike mechanic. Okay. Yeah, and my youngest sister Heather is studying sustainable politics. Right. Major. Um, my youngest sister Rose is um, doing sort of like athletics and sports and sports science. Right. Yeah. Real mixed bag. Yep. <laughs> so all different. In terms of that upbringing in your family home and your mum dressing you all in the same <laughs> outfits, was that? I don't know, I'm just trying to dig into this fashion. Was this a pushback against that ubiquitous identity of your sisters, just to I think claim so. some of your own ground? I think so. Um, I definitely think that when I started making work, like people said that it was like punk or like that type of word, but I think there's something genuinely rebellious about me, I think. And I also see that in my dad, my granddad, when I hung, when I hung out with them, I can see them doing it. I'm like, oh God, that's what I do. I've got it from you guys. <laughs> what do they do? I don't know, there's just a certain, it's really hard to describe, but there's a certain thing where you can see people doing something and you're just like, I am just not doing that, absolutely not. <laughs> wait, wait, give me an example here. <laughs> You're um, in a pub. You're like <laughs> at your nans for for dinner. I, like. I, I can just see, I can just see them doing it. They're just the way that they can reject anything. You know, like somebody can give them a glass with whiskey in it, and they'll be like, "Oh, not on that bloody glass." You know, like <laughs> is that what everybody else is having? No. You know, there's just something very like yeah. independent. Yeah, but I've witnessed it. Yeah, and the man in my family, and I'm like, God, 
So that's come from your dad. I think so. By yeah. the sounds of it. And yeah. is that a trait from your other sisters? Do they, or is that? I don't know if I can see it in them because I think about them in a different way. But yeah, I've definitely observed it in my dad, my granddad, and just had a chuckle about it. And how else? How does that manifest in your life in general? Beyond beyond work. Beyond work. Um, I mean, sometimes it's really good because it, it gets me to a place where I'm, I want to question everything. You know, you can't accept everything. Um, like at the moment, I've been trying to think if I can afford to buy a house in London, which is just an absolute nightmare, which I can't do, which is crazy because I've been living here for 15 years and working, but I don't have enough to get, to get a house to live here. So I was like, how do I think about this differently? I think I'm going to have to build my own house I'm gonna to have to buy a plot of land I'm gonna to have to build a sustainable do you know what I mean like why would I get into even having a mortgage and now I'm obsessed that I just want to be mortgage free so I'm gonna try and live mortgage free somehow and get to London to work because why would I want even to get a mortgage do you see what I mean I'm just like I've already rejected all of that I've gone from being like I really want a house to being like nah I want to be mortgage free Get a boat, park it on the, uh, park I mean? it on the canal the, you'll like, be fine once I get going that spiral type of thinking I can just I think that's just what where I get myself to. Um, how, uh, <laughs> get it? And wh- how does that end? Like, where, where does, does it the, end? Where does it end? Does it ever end? I don't know. I don't know. I could understand, like, that life has a set of rules, and, I, and it's not that I'm rejecting all of those sorts of things, but I do just enjoy thinking about it being something else. You know, nothing, it's all about choices, you know. I am somebody that, like, gets paid and I, I live in the western world and like I, I can make all of those choices but I, I just think you have to be able to question them and understand what they are a little bit why shouldn't you i mean people don't enough yeah hence <laughs> the systems are created which you know is often need to be challenged but i mean i work in a system like working for an education that's a system isn't it you know i'll say that to the students all the time when they're trying to busily tell me that they think you know, fashion's crap or that's a system that doesn't work. And you're like, well, you're in a system because you're paying for an education to be here. I'm, I'm being paid to speak to you, but you're paying to listen to it. Mm. There's a system in that. You know, like you have to just understand how, how the whole world works. And I think once you start to understand how to break down that type of thinking, it can get you into a much more realistic place, maybe. Mm. I don't know if that's the right word, but... And on education and the system, mm. how, how is that for you? Um, I mean, you are a graduate <laughs> now teacher, yeah. so it, something must have worked, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> otherwise, you wouldn't have come back. Um, I actually go crazy at my students when they call me a teacher. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's Oops. totally fine. It's totally fine. I'm, not a I'm like, what? Um, I, don't, I don't actually know what I would describe. How, dis- how, how are you addressed? <laughs> how would you like to be addressed? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Like, I'm not a bloody teacher. Um, because that, that puts them thinking that, you know, there's, there's a certain connotation that comes to that word, and I'm not that, I don't think, to them. What is the connotation? It feels too young for the the level of education that I'm teaching them. You know, they're they're MA students. They shouldn't be thinking that I'm their teacher. What are you? (laughs) Anything. They can describe me in any way they want, but I don't think it's that. Do you see what I mean? Like, I think they have to get into a... uh, They're leaving here trying to get into a professional something. And professional is the word I use on purpose. They hate it. 
but it ultimately makes you give a shit about yourself, and that's what I'm trying to get them to do. So as soon as they can care about themselves, then they can start to care about everything, the type of design world they want to get into, or, or believe that they can go and work at a really great company and they deserve to. Mm. So, yeah. So how do they reference you? <laughs> I think they're probably terrified and they just call me Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody caller, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get it. But it's, I mean, you're trying to shiv about this. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, she, she uh, summed up really nicely about just being relatable. Mm. And okay. obviously the dynamic is there. You are, as you said, you know, you are being paid to not teach them something. Yeah. Share some learning. <laughs> Share some experience. Just learn something. Take um, it on board. Uh, and uh, yeah, but it is it's just having a relationship with your students yeah. and yeah and that's i guess more about a, an approach to how you without using the word teach yeah share your learnings yeah. um and yeah and i think that's you know, ultimately in terms of the the system of the ed of education is ultimately what's changing and you know i've got two kids 6 and 3 going yeah. into just just starting the education system. Yeah. And are you terrified? Because it hasn't changed. And you're putting them into the school. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure they're not exactly the same books, but there is not How a lot of... How far it came? There is not a lot of innovation in right. education. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, that you know, that terrifies me. As, yeah. As a parent, as, as a society, if, you know, if that's not being updated and yeah. you know we're creating these incredible you know creative students yeah you know going out into the world like what so what is the role of education in terms of hmm. where it is and where it needs to go yeah i think it's students jobs to sort of be rebellious when they're when they're younger you know when i was at art school and i was like in my ba you're still trying to figure out whether or not you're even good at that subject you know I think once you get to MA level, you sort of understand that you want to get to a different professional level. But I don't know, they need to, because it's all paid for, it's such a different way of doing it. You know, yeah. it's such a huge commitment to them, I think. Almost like, just show me what you want, Louise. And you're like, no, your job is to actually use your had to solve that for yourself. Do you see what I mean? Like, there's a, there's a feeling sometimes, I think, from students that they just want me to show them exactly how to do it, like a ABC, when actually I have to put it back onto them and be like, it's if you want to be good at this and you want to be very good, you're going to have to use that problem-solving tool way better than just asking me to show you. Yeah. That's not so how I it think, works in the real world. No, but I don't know if my type of thinking and teaching... I don't know how long I'll be able to teach for, because I think they just... The system will want people to, 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 to deliver, I think, in that way. You think? I think so. I think being a sort of, like, agitator or somebody that sort of makes them think in that way. My students are very surprised and say things to me like, nobody spoke to me like this on a BA. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK. But, Wait, you know... What, what, what did you say to them? <laughs> any number of things. Um, what is that portfolio? <laughs> but I think it's... I really, really try and I want them to, yeah to think about themselves and believe in themselves in a different way. And I think sometimes to do that, you have to really go into a certain direction. And sometimes that's, yeah, not fun for them.
but they come round to it. Truth hurts. <laughs> yes. Were there, any, were there any influential teachers that you were rebelled against? That I rebelled against? Um, As you were growing up? No, I really, I remember my English teacher when I was growing up. Um, he actually had a kit car that he used to drive to school in, which was made out of a bath. I was obsessed with him. Seriously? Yeah, and he introduced me to lots of like, I don't know, great writing and writers and... So wait, which school was this? This is when I was at Fraserburgh Academy. And my art teachers there were amazing. I don't know, I just feel like you, you, I've really respected. I'm really good at being taught. You know, I really want to learn. But also, yeah, how do you... Now that I'm a tutor, whatever, my job actually is leader, which I hate saying. Oh, right. I'm a leader. Everybody at St. Martin's is a leader. It's not just me. Leader of what? <laughs> exactly. You got. You've actually, now you have about 50 jobs. It's not just one. I'm yeah. not even getting paid for one, but, you know, what are you going to do? I think it's so important. I don't know. I love, I love, I've got so many tutors that I've learned from. Thank God. But why, why, why is it important to you to share your experience learning with, you know, these MA students. It's amazing to work with young people that are trying to figure out, you know, how it works even sometimes. They don't really fully know how it works. And it, th- it, being, it, it being like fashion as a, you know, how are they going to slot into that? Where are they going to fit into it? They can decide, you know. But it's, it's interesting to be able to, like, try and walk them through the sort of the thinking or new types of thinking or turn that thinking on their head or... Like I say, like really try and get them to believe in themselves or, yeah. There's the ones sometimes that are very good have no idea <laughs> still. And you're like, God, are you 24 and you've got no clue? You know, it's, being creative is so bonkers. Mm. It's such a like strange thing to be part of. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy that I get to be provocative at work. <laughs> <laughs> And your, uh, I guess, <laughs> arrival into postgraduate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe just touch on that in terms, because I think uh, it was Fashion East that yeah. you got connected with or yeah. picked up by. Yeah. Sure did. And so good. Yeah. Maybe just talk about that in terms of the role of organisations like Fashion East. Which, which are rare. Yeah, Lulu giving people a platform. It used to just be three designers a season. I think now she sort of plays around with however she wants to, thank goodness. Yeah. And I just think that was the only thing that you could do then as a sort of, it's a step up into fashion. Um, I was terrified. I used to be backstage at Fashion East and not even want to come out and do my wave. You know, I was a very shy person. Um, Still shy? No, I definitely think I've understood how to harness confidence and I actually, you know, it's just right there. You just have to know that you can just take it and use it. It's not, it's not something I think that I've been given naturally. So you can just, I faked it for a while and now I, now sometimes it feels real, so it feels good. I can use it a bit more, but um, it's very harsh. Like my second show that I did, I got really horrible reviews from people. There was very few places then that you could even get reviews. When was this? What year was this? 20, 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. I remember it feeling so difficult. And I think that's what people now get on the internet. You know, it's just on, it's just on their phone. But 
it's really hard to know that that's what's going to happen. But the role of Fashion East in terms of creating that platform mm. and... Yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily about establishing names, but, no. you know, it's providing confidence. And, yeah. You know, validating yeah. a lot of work and hard work yeah. uh, to showcase some great new young designers. Yeah. And where, you know, where's, where do you see that role evolving or transforming? As you said, you've got the designers out here and, you know, this is a showcase for brands, right? This yeah. is a showcase for professional corporates to come in and... Yeah hopefully offer them jobs and make them part of it but yeah totally i don't know i guess it comes back to the future of the business of fashion and how those platforms or how that system is evolving and yeah you know what are your views on where that's going to go i think it's so interesting that people still want to go to shows you're like i went to fashionista this season and it was absolutely beautiful the the collections were like a really high level and it was it felt like such a moment you know you can really still go to shows and feel something so evocative and leave feeling like wow that was a brilliant thing that i just saw you know and i think that's important for fashion people don't give it enough credit that it can feel like that but i think the system is changing and thank goodness it is you know it used to just be like go and run a business and everyone would try and shoehorn you into having like, you all have to have the same business but I think what I try and get students or anybody here to think is that you have to make decide yourself what that's going to be and you don't have to you, there's so many different ways that you can sell that you can you know get to your customer it, it, the whole world is just so much more open mm. so the idea that they still just want to do this one thing is quite screaming I'm just screaming at them sometimes thinking like why would you want to just do that but I guess that there's validation attached to that which must be the interesting part for them mm. um, and I think you have to know how you feel about your work before you show it to other people otherwise it's a horror show and it can feel it can feel really hideous especially with so much blood sweat and tears poured yeah. into it and yeah. being put on a stage yeah you know, it's understandable that and it's, it's you're, you're laid bare, right? In yeah. terms of negative critics or yeah. any kind of totally. And I think viewpoint. You know, we just had the student show like three weeks ago, and the show at London Fashion Week. You know, that's not different. They've been doing that for twenty years. But some of the comments that you can see people writing, and I just think, God, I would be desperate to ask you what, why you think you have that opinion in a way. I'd love to know. I feel like you have to earn an opinion. I'm from like a very different time period maybe, but I think if people come for me, I just, I think like, well, who are you and what have you done? So you think you know how to tell me how to do my job when you've never done it. That's mm. interesting. So I got into that type of thinking and I was trying to like think about a post that I could do about it, like how we judge other people and how we judge art and fashion, although we might not ever be able to do or make stuff on that level, you know, who are we to say that, like, that's not a good show, but do we know actually what it involves to to work or have those ideas? I don't know. I'd like everybody to be a little less judgmental is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I think which we can get too which harsh isn't about be, Yeah, isn't going to be helped by social media in terms of the ease and the accessibility of trolling or just yeah. pinging off a tweet or... yeah. Uh, leaving a negative comment. And yeah, that I, must be so easy for people. I mean, good good for them. But I, yeah, I definitely, I don't, I find it hard to take criticism from anybody that doesn't know or hasn't made like a, a, a bigger body of work. Because how would you know how that, 
how to even construct that. So I can't, I've already dismissed a lot of people before I even get started. Do you see? And that's a protection tool. I think you have to do that. Yeah, for sure. And on the, uh, I guess the, the evolution of your, call it a career, trajectory, <laughs> direction, Great, yeah. ambitions, mm. um, where, where's, where's, where's next for Louise? What's happening? Yeah, what's coming up? What are you excited about? Um, I'm really excited about writing. I okay. want to write a book. About? I've already started it. Um, and it's just such a weird thing because I've been telling myself for years that I can't write and I don't write. But actually, I think I write most days. So there's still a, there's still like a, a wicked part of my brain that I thought was only reserved for like when I did collections and this bit of my brain would pop up and be like, Louise, what are you doing? You can't do that. But now I, I recognise that it just happens in all parts of my life. So it's been telling myself for years that I can't write and I, you know, whatever I hate even saying it, but I'm very dyslexic. I would never, I hate admitting any of those things. So I like just to get the hell on with it. I'm a fellow dyslexic. You know. Yeah. So I'm determined now to be like, bloody hell, I think I'm going to write a book and that's going to be great, you know. So what's your book about? It's mostly about, at the moment, like how I had to make my own value system for myself. I think, um, you know, I had to understand, like, you have to value yourself. And I think that's a really important thing as a creative you know, you, you have to know what you're trying to hit at. But you, you, there has to be a belief there and you have to know what that is. Um, and I realised that's what I was doing and I think maybe that'll be interesting or helpful for people so I should write about that. Sounds interesting. <laughs> so, understanding yourself. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. It's really hard to do and I think... It is hard to do. I see it with students and it's like, you're not, you're not always going to get when you're on a course to understand... You know, you know, not everybody's going to have the same experience where they like learn about themselves. Like I did it later, actually. I think I definitely got through my MA and I definitely did work that I'm really proud of. But but I think I learned reflecting on all the things that I was taught much later, and that's what made me understand my own work. Mm. Yeah, I, d I don't think it really. It was in the same time period. And what was that process of understanding who you were? Mm. Just that everything's connected. If, if if everything that you you like, you can you can draw from and you can put it into your work, the more layered it's going to be. And, I've, and I think, you know, the, one of the conversations I have with the students is like, I'll say like, what do you think the most important thing is as a designer? Like, what's the number one thing that you need to be a really amazing, great designer? And what do they say? Um, They'll come up with different things, but the, the answer that I've got in my brain and I want them to say is integrity. And how do you get integrity? Do you see what I mean? It's about trying to make authentic work. And I think that's what everyone's striving to do, but you have to really know what it is that you like and what you hate before you can be authentic. You have to know like what offends you because you can turn that into something spectacular at the same time. And I think you have to know the things that you love and how to reference them and put them into your work so they feel different for other people or, you know... Is that how you define authenticity? I think that's how we talk about it in design. Yeah, for sure. It's the sort of ultimum. Of knowing, optimum. Of knowing exactly well, who you are. This is the true representation of who I am. I think because once you get to that sort of point, you can make work which is emotional and evocative. And I think when people can come... And therefore authentic. Yeah, then you can make them feel something. 
that's what the whole thing is supposed to be about, I think. And it doesn't matter what that thing is that you're trying to make them feel. You're trying to make them feel, like, pissed off or, like, angry or, like, laugh at something. You know, we need humour and fashion a lot. <laughs> um, and colour. And all of those things. And I think to try and understand how to communicate those types of ideas, you have to, you have to know what you're aiming for. Yeah. You can't let other people judge it for you. Which all comes back to knowing thyself. Yeah. See, do you see the theme? I get it. <laughs> so wait, how far into this book are you? Just at the beginning, really. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it's like, like you a, set a, dead, a you like a self-imposed deadline for yeah, it? Yeah, it's in three months. Okay. Yeah, I've got no idea. I'm just making it up in my head. But I guess when I make a, a new body of work, right at the beginning of it, I'll like sort of know the, the sort of things that I want to do. You know, I'll write a sort of skeleton plan for the things that I'm interested in. And then I think what I would usually do then is do a lot of 3D work. So I might do like a lot of textiles or like colour or twirling or like... But I think because I don't have that, I just have a computer. I just have to keep writing and writing and writing and writing. And then it's the same process. Then you have to learn how to edit and learn how to... It's going to just be the same thing in my brain. It's going to be fine. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be, but I just have to believe that and it's going to be great. I mean, there's no other way. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I think it's going to be about hopefully a lot of other things as it goes along, but yeah. No, I love it. And I think certainly listening to your story and, you know, that path, shall we put it that way, mm. of not being a fashion designer, but being a fashion designer, but actually wanting to be a designer, <laughs> um, to not being a teacher, but becoming a leader or how <laughs> you've been defined it um yeah it's all about challenging yourself right yeah and challenging your the world and the systems around you to yeah to you know it's not about adjusting to who you are but certainly helping to push through from where you, where you are yeah but what okay any any other <laughs> projects books films <laughs> Oh, you're building a house as well. <laughs> and yeah, I need to be more good free and build my own house. I've been doing so many... Like, it's really hilarious when you go on... Um, like, my YouTube is where I still do, like, so much research. Yeah. And it used to be, like, sort of, like, maybe, What's like... your search history on YouTube? It would be, like, you know, makeup tutorials and all stuff like that. And now it's, like, how do you make a window with no glass? Like, <laughs> an insane person. It's really good, though. Thank God. So if, you know, you've got this crazy creative brain, which basically a lot of the time tries to bully me, and the, and the other half of the time I'm just trying to be like, bugger off, I can do all these other things. Yeah. Where do you think that's come from, coming back to your parents? Is that the, the mum's side? Or, you know, this creative, lateral, <laughs> challenging... <laughs> I mean, it sounds like from your dad's side, some of the... yeah direction yeah but some of the creative was that i definitely think the gray side of my family like my dad and my granddad um is yeah the things that i told you i sort of witnessed in them they're definitely like uh, yeah i find it hilarious that i'm like the male people in my family because i'm so female centric but i do think those are the traits that i've been given from them and i can really see that that's what, what that is female centric? I'm, I'm obsessed with being like women and like women focused and like there's so many different types of women in the world now and yeah. I don't know it's just been International Women's Day like you know we need to think about how challenging it is 
still as a woman to not be equal. You know, I'm, I don't, nobody else does my job in CSM, but I wonder how much I'm getting paid compared to other people. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You just have to question that all the time. I automatically now ask for more money every have time I get asked? asked to do a job. Do they not publish them? And you have to be a certain size company, right? To publish yeah, the to salaries. Them. Yeah. Well, like I said, I do more than one job here anyway, so you should give me at least three more. <laughs> <laughs> It makes me feel like that now. So every time I do a job, I'm always asking for more money just just on... Principle. Yeah. Get, yeah, Why not? Yeah. You just can't be that... You just can't be that... You get to a certain point where you're just not scared anymore or not, you know... If you don't ask. You know, if your 20s had to be that sort of, like, uh, anxious, sort of punishing, not feeling that, like, confident or understanding, like, how to navigate faking being like a sort of shy person then now surely I'm in my like gorgeous late 40s <laughs> just joking I can just do whatever I want you know you just don't care anymore if you've had to live through that sort of thing then I'm not I'm certainly now gonna try and push it as much as I can yeah of course <laughs> and what uh, <laughs> just trying to get a read on this which East, part? On your East Coast Scottish village. Okay. And just, you know, the young Louise yeah. in her match-maked, like, clothing outfits with mm. her sisters. Mm. Like, w tell me a little bit of that environment of your family and, uh, you know, the feelings, the relationships, that, you know, that world. I come from a really small... Yeah, so I didn't actually live in the fishing town. I lived seven miles outside and lived halfway up a hill that was occupied by NATO until I was 14. Okay. Um, so I literally lived in the middle of, like, four fields. So surrounding me was, like, sort of, like, cows or barley or whatever the farmers were doing at certain points in the year. And in my primary school, there were nine people in my class. Okay. So it's, like... How many people in the school? <laughs> three people in my class were called Louise. <laughs> It's the most popular name in 1981. Thanks, ma'am. And uh, <laughs> three out of nine. You can tell, like for seven years, I was obviously like, "Why the hell am I called Louise? This is bullshit." <laughs> I could see that grating with There's... the future identity. <laughs> so bad. One of my one of my tutors. You've dressed me in the same and outfit. And I've got this bloody dress on. <laughs> so anyway, there's there's definitely things that you could understand, like why I got so into into a corner that I'm in now. You know, that drove me crazy. So wait, when did you leave Scotland? Um, oh wait, that village. Yeah, so I left. I left Fraserburgh when I was seventeen. I wanted to go to college, so I moved to Glasgow when I was seventeen, which I think is just bonkers when I think about it now. It's Why? so young, but I was so determined that I wanted to go to art school. And I wanted to learn about fashion. And I wanted to learn about textiles. And your parents were supportive. They were like, Jesus, what the hell is she doing? But fine, you know, they're not going <laughs> to stop you doing it. Yeah. Um, How's Glasgow? I love Glasgow. I feel like I grew up there, you know, because I, I got there when I was 17. I left five years later. Um, really musical, people so friendly. God, all the people that I worked with and all the weird, crazy jobs that I did when I was living there. Just gorgeous women that just so nice to you all the time. Top three crazy jobs? Um, I was a cash office supervisor and macro. Okay. <laughs> and I have to, it would count between 70 and 100 grand every night on a machine that would only count 300 quid at a time. <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> That's a job. Right? 
Any others? Um, I worked at Dorothy Perkins in the airport, which basically wasn't a real Dorothy Perkins. They just sold like flip flops and bikinis, yeah, hair bubbles. Um, but you had to go through security four times before you got to work at half seven in the morning. <laughs> Amazing. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I worked in a sort of like post office 24 hour shop um, that people were constantly nicking bacon and cheese from to sell in the pubs. Oh, really? In Glasgow, yeah. That was the top. That was the thing top. that got stolen. Yeah, and you would sit in the pub sometimes and have a pint, and people come round and be like, "Do you want some bacon?" And you'd be like, "Jordan, that better not be for my show." Fuming. So good. Yeah, really good. <laughs> Only Glaswegians would be doing that, I think. So there's just so much life and energy from the people that live there. I just, I just love Glasgow. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. And that. Um, embodied in your work you feel in terms of some of that experience or <sighs> cultural moments which so wait when was that when you're in Glasgow what years uh, I got there in 2000 I, I graduated in 2004 I okay. think so yeah I was there for three years yeah 2001 to 2004 yeah loved it good time had such a great time God, it was so good to be like in a, in a space where you can just be creative. I mean, it's just amazing that you can do that, I think. No. I wouldn't give back on this. No. And just dressing like a lunatic. Paint a lager was a pound in the student union, which was actually the coolest bar in Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. just like, right, having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want it to ever end. <laughs> yeah, I made really good girlfriends when I was there. Really good friends, actually, that I still keep in touch with. Yeah. Um, those people now. It's just that stumping ground gives gives you like a good foundation. Mm. And then you came down to London. Yeah. On your beeline for Central St Martins. Yeah. Yeah. Moved here. Did the course. Um. I actually took a year out and then I came back and I did my final year and just immediately after that I did Fashion East and then I just got into Sharing London Fashion Week and then, you know, you just get, I just got enveloped into doing lots of things. When I, when I was honest with myself and I was like, you know, what am I doing? Do I actually want to, like, go and find a genuine investor or do I just want to see what it's like when I can make work not in the, under these circumstances, you know? Mm. As a designer, I think you have to make your name quite valuable and you can't try and mar it. Or I was quite scared about getting into lots of debt or not paying people or, like, it becoming something muddy, you know. I knew that that was something I wanted to keep doing. So I did I did stop. I did stop my business with those sort of things in mind. Because of the concern of it becoming too big or too out of control or...? I don't know. I don't know if it was any of those things, but I think, you know, I saw people, old people around me, like lots of people that I'd studied with. So people are getting investment, they're getting bigger businesses and it become the work changes, you know, like the, the type of thing that you're trying to do changes. And I, I guess there must be part of me that doesn't want to let go of that. And I, yeah. I just want to do it by myself, like an insane, crazy person. <laughs> Not having a mortgage. <laughs> I think there's, like the a, there, there, there's a commonality there is, here. It is, isn't there? It's so awful. I'll speak to my therapist through it in great detail for the rest of my life. But, um, like, the last show that I did, I didn't want to do, a um, like, a fashion show. I just wanted to make a body of work. That's what I was calling it. And I wanted to show it in a gallery. You know, I didn't want any seating. Um, and I worked with, like, two musicians, and they composed music for it. And I 
cast the models and like I don't know I, every bit of that show I didn't I just I just sort of did it I was like there's no way that I need to be making work where it's like you go away and you do a wave at the end and you're just thinking I, I don't even know who any of these people are that's quite weird isn't it but I guess that's what you do when you're making work you're, you're mm. showing it to people and I must have some part of me wanted it to feel a little bit more personal sometimes I'm bringing it back to to say it, like who you are and what you represent and <laughs> where you're going. <laughs> Two final questions. Mm. What is the best way of someone contacting you? Contacting me? I feel like a lot of people speak to me in that new formed way of just DMing on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, even when my students tell me they're late on Instagram, I'm like, I'm screaming at them. But like, how do I, how do I let them know that I'm screaming by texting <laughs> on Instagram? <laughs> Quite interesting. Um, my Is, website's on there and there's like, there's ways that you can email me. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm online. Great. <laughs> uh, and final question, um, which I gave you a heads up yeah. at the beginning. Who would you like to hear on the show? Ah, so many people. When I was trying to it think about it, the, um, that I do think I'd like you to try and think about doing Reba Mabry, who's somebody that we get to teach on the course. Um, yeah, she's really interesting thinker. She's an artist um, and a writer, self-publisher. Um, she works as a dominatrix. She's just got such a, a way of thinking about the world, which is so good, I think. She's even more agitating and provocative than I am. <laughs> and we need that, you know. We really 100%. need people that gets us to think in such a way, in, in such a far-flung way that it, it upturns your thinking. So I think people like Reba, I think, are great. Awesome. Yeah. Louise, this has been a pleasure. You said thank you so much for having me. No worries. <laughs> Excellent to hear your story. Um, I wish you all the successes in the future. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.